This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Starting now, building the kingdom of God is helping to restore the earth now. And mm -hmm. let's start the process now and let's mm -hmm. be faithful to it now. Just as we should, you know, restore relationships and love our neighbor, the, the earth is a part of it yeah. though. And yeah. if you can join that now, that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're called to do. What does it look like to be a healthy person? What does it look like to have rhythms of health in your spiritual life? But also, how do we bring that health not only to our communities, but also to our earth? Well, in these next four episodes, I'm going to be talking about different types of health with my guests. And today, as we kick this off, I am talking to Luann Huska and John Terry, and they both work with the Auth Sobel Institute, all about creation care. Now, this is a great conversation, and they even have a free resource for individuals and churches as great starting points. Here's my conversation with them. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. I hope you enjoyed season five, where we really dug into so many great themes about a spacious life. And I hope you've had a chance to pick up a copy of A Spacious Life. But as we head into the Christmas season and as we think about 2022, before we begin a whole new season here at the podcast, I wanted to take a little pause where we consider issues of health. What does it look like to care for our environment? What does it look like to have a healthy church? How about our spiritual lives or our bodies? Join me in just a short little series as we consider issues of health. All right, friends, I have two guests today, and I'm going to just ask them to introduce themselves, and we're going to talk about what does it look like to be a faithful Christian in the world, and what does it look like to care for our earth? So I'm really excited to welcome my two guests today. Tell us who you are. <laughs> My name is Luann Huska, and I am a freelance writer. So mm -hmm. my book, Hurting Yet Whole, Reconciling Body and Spirit, came out in December of last year. Mm -hmm. And I had a chance to get connected with the Asable Institute through some friends as I've been thinking about my own work and how can I leverage my writing and platform mm -hmm. to really respond to the climate change and just general environmental degradation mm -hmm. issues that we have going on all over the world. So that's how I got connected with Osable Institute, um, working on this workbook, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk yeah. more about down yep. the road. <laughs> yep. And my name is John Terry. I'm the executive director of the Osable Institute. I'm in Northern Michigan right now 
we're a biological field station or environmental field station for Christian colleges throughout mm -hmm. the U.S. and Canada. We serve about 50 different Christian colleges uh, throughout the country and Canada, and our mission is to inspire and educate people to serve, protect, and restore God's earth. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks so much for being here. I'm excited because we're going to be talking about, yeah, you know, issues of health on, on the podcast. And I think we often think about just our own selves in, in, when we hear the word health, it's like, oh, I just need to get, you know, eat less Cheetos and get on a treadmill. Um, but as we think about our spiritual health and the connection between our spiritual health and the health of the earth, can you tell us a little bit more about the Institute and how we, those two things are connected um, in your line of work, John? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we feel we just take seriously the call, God's call to care for the earth. Mm -hmm. Our mission statement when we say serve, protect, and restore, serve and protect comes from Genesis 2.15 mm -hmm. um, when we're in the garden and God tells us to serve and protect it and mm -hmm. restore comes from all the instances of the New Testament uh, when Jesus or Paul they're talking about the restoration of all things and yeah. how God cares and Jesus cares about all things. And he is so committed to us in this place that he'll one day heal and restore all things. And it's not just limited to human things or to religious things, mm -hmm. but we feel it includes the created world. And I think that we love the term restoration, um, which is the workbook we'll talk about, the liturgies of restoration because restoration has a real like ecological sense, like mm. a, a, restor a restoration of, a, of an area, mm. um, a restoration of a place, but it's also a beautiful spiritual term mm. as well. And it's, it's a restoration of the soul and a restoration of a person. We take both of those seriously. Um, and what we try to do and what we're trying to do more, particularly with our students, during the summer and what this workbook was kind of the impetus to was just looking at just the recognition that your spiritual formation doesn't happen. It can't happen just one hour uh, right. on Sunday yeah. morning and it has yeah. to be embedded throughout the day. I think in your podcast at the, at the beginning, you have a little trailer about the importance of implementing ideas and habits in the midst of your laundry routine. <laughs> yeah. And so the goal, the goal of this workbook, I think that uh, how it relates to our work here was really how do you uh, embed these habits and idea in the midst of collecting bugs or looking in a microscope or mm -hmm. sampling water from a stream mm. and really how those things connect to faith and how they can be a mm. form of worship. Mm. That's so good. And I would also add that... Um... The idea of health, it like you said, Ashley, can be so microscopic or right. zoomed in. And when I was researching for my book, which focuses on chronic illness, I discovered that the word for health in the Old Testament uh, is there is really no word for health. So the closest mm -hmm. word that we can come to is shalom. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about there's lots of talk in in our circles about what shalom is, but it it has this 
really community based mm-hmm. and um, all encompassing kind of meaning that mm-hmm. is not just about me and my relationship with God, or even me and my relationship with my, the people that are, I interact with on a daily mm-hmm. basis, but about my relationship with these institutions and systems and structures mm-hmm. that we're all part of the, the, the economies that we right. are a part of. So yeah. health has to incorporate all of those aspects. Mm-hmm. Well, walk us through just to give us a brief overview of the workbook. We've mentioned it a few times and then we'll dive in maybe to one of the topics particularly, but you guys were collaborating on this project. It's called liturgies of restoration. So we'd love to, yeah, walk us through, what does it look like? What's the intent behind it? Uh, and I'll start with just kind of giving an overview sure, of what yeah. I think spurred it on. And then Luann can fill in the kind of the deep and important pieces of it. But it was designed really, again, just how can we be more intentional about spiritual development of students yeah. while they're here mm-hmm. and recognizing that, yeah, the things they do throughout the week are a form of worship. It's an yeah. extension of their faith. And we already had, we were already doing a lot of the things you know, we think eating, you know, we eat meals together every day, that can be a form of worship, that can be Mm -hmm. a liturgy to be really intentional about being present with the people you're with, Um, taking a hike um, by yourself in the woods, that can be a form of worship and a a form of Sabbath, um, and knowing your limits and boundaries. I know Mm -hmm. that's important to you, Ashley, just (laughs) (laughs) issues of limits and what is enough. Mm-hmm. So the goal was just to be more intentional about naming those things we already do while students are with us for the summer. Mm-hmm. Typically students, the college students that are with us, they're here for a three-week session in May, or we have two five-week sessions the rest of the summer. It was just helping them to be more intentional about their time here mm-hmm. and to develop these habits, some of which that we've already kind of embedded into our program. Mm-hmm. And naming them and just being intentional about this is what it looks like. This is why we do it. And hopefully there are things that they can incorporate into their lives um, when they leave here. Yeah. And so we kind of, we had this vision of what we wanted it to look like. I kind of had some themes. A lot of the ideas came from people you've interviewed on your show. So <laughs> yeah. And I saw some, from, yeah, I saw some familiar names in there. It was fun. <laughs> Absolutely. So Tish Warren, I think when I read her, um, liturgy of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. I think that was kind of what would that, what is the liturgy of the ordinary look like here? Um, yeah. Or Alan Noble, I know mm-hmm. you had him on and Luann mm-hmm. included some of his thinking in the workbook as well. And it was really just trying to capture these different themes and make them relevant to our students, particularly to students who feel, who, who are naturally drawn Um, to caring for the earth. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of, you know, that's what they see as a potential vocation. It just comes naturally to them. They see it as a natural extension of their faith. They're Mm -hmm. kind of a unique breed of people. Um, And they feel a little bit, the term misfit gets used a lot by Mm -hmm. our students. They Mm -hmm. feel in their church or their family, particularly growing up, that caring for the earth wasn't you know, it wasn't, they're kind of an outlier, which is a shame and we think is wrong, but they felt that. And to come here and to be surrounded by other Mm -hmm. people who see that the care of the earth as a natural extension of their faith, really just wanted to nurture that and to show them how that is not only, not only are they not misfits, this is what God has called all of Mm -hmm. us to do and to be, and to be supportive. The final thing I'll say before I turn it over to Luann was 
we the workbook has five different liturgies in it, mm-hmm. which are just habits of you know how you go through your week, particularly right. here at El Sable, um, and hopefully when when they go back to their home universities. So if you're here for five weeks, it was set up so that you could kind of focus on a, a liturgy one a week through those five weeks. So that mm-hmm. was kind of the framework, and Luann can give you a little more details yeah. about what each of those liturgies and counter liturgies are. Which is so, I love that you use that term. I use that term in my first book, but I use it off like opposite. I use it like, you know, that there's these cultural liturgies and then, you know, the counter liturgies of the gospel. So mm. if you've read my first book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, and you're a little confused about some of, you know, it's okay. It's the same <laughs> idea, even if we've swapped like, you know, emphases, but um, you know, that there is both a liturgy that God invites us to, and then, yeah. you know, the counter liturgy as they use it, that is, you know, kind of disruptive culturally. So yeah. Why don't you walk us through just quickly what those are, Luann? So, yeah, we wanted to focus on the stories that we tell ourselves. So again, we receive all these stories and they're often very subtle stories mm-hmm. just based on, you know, advertisements or, or just the pace of life that we feel kind of subjected to within our society. And so we wanted to name those things, but then also name what God is actually calling us to that might go counter to those. Mm-hmm. So we started out with, um, worship. We're called to love and worship God and the counter liturgy that our society offers us. The story that we're told is Mm -hmm. that we live for our own fulfillment. And then there's these habits and postures of heart that follow Mm -hmm. from that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, We, number two is that we thrive in community, partnering with others to bring about flourishing. And then the counter liturgy offered by the world is that we have to become independent of others Mm -hmm. in order to succeed. And we wanted to start by um, start by framing our call to serve and protect the earth in terms of worship by starting out yeah. with, it does start from our lives revolve around God and we can only do it in the context of his body mm-hmm. and this community of people that were being called to do this, to bring about restoration and to live out resurrection mm-hmm. with, not, not by ourselves, but I think that kind of the, like the big turning point for the liturgies is is number three where we talk about we're called to serve protect and restore the earth and that i think um as john mentioned it can be really counterintuitive even to the stories that we're told within the church which often can be about um that the earth is really secondary to our spiritual lives and to what we're called to as saving souls or um just a very disembodied way of seeing our faith yeah um And then the counter liturgy to that would be, we stand over and against the earth and can do what we please. And I think something I've been realizing is the ways that um, Christianity, especially American Christianity has been formed by a colonizer's mentality. So that, um, that idea that we can just come into anywhere and do what we want to a piece of land and that that land belongs to us has been so ingrained also in our theologies. And often we've used our theologies to support practices that abuse the land and, and, and extract things from the land instead of um, putting us in reciprocal relationship with the earth. And then, um, we go on to talk about number four, that God's work of transformation happens in the ordinary moments of our lives. So this is very much Tish, Tish Warren mm-hmm. and just like, this is a slow, ancient, um, very 
intentional way of being mm-hmm. versus life is only meaningful if it's new and stimulating. Mm-hmm. And then the last liturgy um, is that we hope and act anticipating God's restoration of heaven and earth or um, the the stories that we're told through doom scrolling and just this constant news cycle is that we've damaged the earth beyond all repair or we'll save ourselves through technology. Mm. So those were the, the liturgies. And then we kind of articulated these postures or virtues or mm-hmm. vices connected mm-hmm. with those liturgies. And then I went on to give a lot of embodied practices that people can do because it's one thing to read about them obviously but how do we actually live them so that I think that was a really fun part for me of working on this Mm -hmm. this workbook is kind Mm -hmm. of giving these practices you're likely a mom who's reheated her cup of coffee at least five times today Maybe you find yourself the calendar scheduling guru. And as you think ahead about the holiday season, you want to create something magical. But in all the hustle, how do we connect with what really matters? That's where a spacious season comes in. We need to see our story and our parenting journey for both moms and dads in light of God's big story of redemption. So a spacious season, a weary mom rejoices is your invitation. It's your on-the-ground resource in small, bite-sized episodes. A spacious season welcomes you into a more meaningful Advent and Christmas season. In a spacious season, you'll get six audio devotionals and a great workbook to help take those episodes deeper into your heart and into your life. Make sure you go grab one today. You can get it at aahales.com slash shop. That's aahales.com slash shop. It's time for a more spacious season. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership at Bow. We believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Tell us maybe one of, you can each maybe share what, what is one of your favorite kind of embodied ways um, that we're working, especially towards maybe that third liturgy about serving, protecting, and restoring the earth. What does it look like to practice that? Cause you know, maybe someone's listening and they're like, yeah, I should, you know, I realize how much my life centers around myself and my desires and my to-do list. And mm-hmm. I hardly ever think about how I am embedded in a place or 
you know, the call to actually care for the earth feels way too big. Um, what might be something small to get us started? So for that liturgy, to me, it's really some people, just the understanding that we're called to serve and protect the earth, particularly the people in the ensemble community, that's a very natural we don't have to spend a lot of time convincing them of that. They already right. believe that. For mm-hmm. some groups, that's I imagine a big it's a stretch. longer conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's the there's some groups I'll meet with where just even convincing them that the earth has value and God cares about it. I mean, you could spend your whole time just kind of talking about that. So with our community, the people who are already on board with that. Yeah. To me, this chapter really more focuses on just gratitude and kind of having a spirit of gratitude about the gifts God's given us, which includes includes the created world. So for me, this the liturgy um, of recognizing our our call to serve and protect the earth is just how do I live a life of gratitude as opposed to living a life of expecting more things right and looking ahead to the next thing so for me what it's just like being intentional about at the beginning of the day listing mm-hmm. things i'm thankful mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. and thing and they don't have to be big things they can be hey that's a pretty cloud i'm thankful for that i'm yeah and that pours over into the rest of your life i think when you have a spirit of gratitude you know, it pours over into your relationships mm-hmm. and how you use things yeah. and instead of a in the workbook yeah. Luann talks about a, how we have a disposable mentality. Right. Our culture is very much, I bought it, I can do what I want with it. And when mm-hmm. I'm done with it, it's trash and it's mm-hmm. gone. But mm-hmm. when you live a life of gratitude, you know it came from somewhere. Right. It's a gift. And when you're done with it, it goes somewhere. Right. And a lot of it times- It doesn't just work. disappear <laughs> when the trash truck comes by. Yeah. Right. And it goes somewhere and somebody has to- deal with it or live by it or drink water where that you know is is impacted by it mm. so just be just living a life of gratitude mm. that's what this chapter yeah. to me is yeah. about that's great yeah one of the the liturgies or the practices that i uh, along the lines of the disposable mentality mm-hmm. that i included was um picking up a piece of trash and mm-hmm. putting it in a an honored place in your room and mm or on the mantle or mm-hmm. wherever you walk by it regularly. So that was something I got out of a, a Sojourner's article about um, plastics and how mm-hmm. plastics affect our spirituality. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I, I encouraged people to do that um, as a way to reorient our relationship with the material world, to not mm-hmm. see it as um, expendable or disposable. Mm. But in the Anglican tradition mm-hmm. that both John and I are part of, um, there's one phrase that in, in some of the circles I'm part of here in the, the Chicago area that gets thrown around a lot, which is that matter matters. Mm. And that's, mm. <laughs> that's something that's really uh, stuck with me as there is spiritual value yeah. to the material world. And how can we begin to see that? And I think uh, one easy way that people enter into that that mentality is just realizing where do you feel most connected with God? And that mm-hmm. often is mm-hmm. going outside, um, being in the trees, among the trees, or listening to the wind blow. Um, Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be like this big, I must do something to save the earth, sort of an obligation. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. it has to start from a place of joy and Mm -hmm. gratitude, as John Mm -hmm. said, and Mm -hmm. delight that noticing where we find delight and how much 
the earth and the natural world gives us joy and how mm-hmm. can we respond to that and and say thank you by taking care of it mm, that's great you know and i think you know as i was thinking about our conversation today too i was you know, like we talk a lot about as Christians about the, like there's stuff about the world is not my home <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, when it actually is. And, you know, mm-hmm. if we were actually to treat the earth as if like we treat our own houses, right. We clean mm-hmm. up the messes and, you know, we care for things because we want them to last a long time. Um, and if we were able to somehow reimagine, um, actually, yes, this world is our home and it will be restored instead of we're going to be all taken out of the world and it, you know, it doesn't matter. I think, yeah, our theo- our incorrect theology has really impacted the way in which we, we care for the earth. Yeah, absolutely. My, one of my grandma's favorite songs was I'll fly away. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. Is a really nice song, but it's just not true. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of beauty to it. But I don't, yeah, if that's your theology, that right. one day will be taken away, um, you live differently now. Right. And when you see scars on the earth now, you know, we, we feel Jesus is, we're, we're, the earth will be restored someday. Right. And yeah. at the end of the story, he's coming back. And, right. The new Jerusalem yeah. comes down. Having to yeah. meet. I mean, yeah. Thank, yep. Amen. Um, <laughs> preach it. Yeah. Um, and so starting now building the kingdom of god is yeah helping to restore the earth now and mm-hmm. let's start the process now and let's mm-hmm. be faithful to it now just as we should you know restore relationships and love our neighbor the the earth is a part of it yeah. though and yeah. if you can join that now that's a great thing mm-hmm. and that's what we're called to do mm-hmm. what do we do i mean lots of us have probably noticed, oh gosh, the weather's changing, you know, like we can actually see, um, maybe mm. some of the devastation around us that is kind of catching up with us. What, what do we do? <laughs> what do we do about <laughs> climate change and plastic in the ocean? You know, cause you know, I think I love how you were both saying, you know, gratitude and, you know, paying attention to mm. our, the ways in which we, we can destruct the earth are important. But, you know, as we see these large issues looming, what do we do? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, Sorry, you know, can you solve all of that for us, John? No, you just, you be faithful to what you're called to do. And with issues like the changing climate, I heard a great, essentially with that issue, I feel it's essentially you have to decide what, we can choose between either mitigation, which prevents you know, prevent, prevents it from happening. Adaptation, which is as the weather changes and the climate changes, kind of changing things to adapt to it, or suffering. And those are the three categories. Mm-hmm. So the only converse, the only conversation really is what, how much do you want to do with each of those categories? Mm, that's a good um, framework. So that's a, yeah, that's a good way to have conversations with people about, okay, where do you want to put, what percentage do you want to be what? And I don't, I don't get into kind of the divisive, like calling people climate deniers or, cause that just ends the conversation. It's not helpful to me. I think most for people sure. act a certain way because of, they have reasons for acting or believing a certain way. Um, I don't like, you know, you know, putting people like they're the villains, they're the bad guys. But if there is 
a villain or bad guy in the story of climate change. It's people who don't care and don't do anything because they know they're not the one that's going to be doing the suffering. Hmm. And the reality is, as we all know, the people that are going to, you know, we live privileged lives. We can, people with money and privilege can protect themselves from suffering and they can move to different areas and they can, you know, when things get hot or on fire in in California, you you move to Idaho or you move to Texas or you move somewhere else. And the people, particularly in other parts of the world, um, they don't have that ability to do that. So uh, to answer your question, just being faithful, we're called Mm -hmm. to be faithful. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't give people lists of, you know, here's three things you need to do, (laughs) um, but you have a responsibility to figure that out, what it is for you and what that means for you. Mm. There's a one quick thing I'll add at the end. There's a cool image from one of our professors this summer was walking on a trail and I think he, he saw some invasive species that was all through the forest. But when he would he would see this little uh, plant growing in the trail, he would pick it up and flip flip it into the woods which is, he's not making a difference with that, that plant was everywhere, right? but kind of picking up and flipping it into the woods. And someone asked him, why are you bothering to pick up that plant and flip it? Cause you're not making a difference. That plant is everywhere. It's taken over this forest. Hmm. And he just was like, I'm called to be faithful. Hmm. Um, so even if it doesn't, I mean, that's the big question with climate change. What can one person do? I, I, I don't know what one person can do. Um, but we're called to be faithful. And I think we have a responsibility to, to figure out what that means for you. Mm. Yeah. I, I really appreciate, I think framing it not as being effective, but being faithful is really helpful because being effective is again, it, it, it's that like scale problem, (laughs) like Mm. doing one thing for yourself in your family, isn't going to change the world, but but it changes your own heart, right? And that's the again, that's where the liturgies come in. Is that those embodied practices tell you a different story about who you are and your place in the world? And that's how it has to start with kind of telling ourselves better stories and God yeah. stories. But as far as the what do we do question, I also wanted to just speak to the there's this tension and I, I wrote about it in the, the last chapter of the workbook, which is the Christian belief that God is in control can kind of sometimes hinder us from doing anything. Cause mm-hmm. that in some circles results in a fatalism that while well, God has it all, you know, God's right. taking care of it. So why do we need to be a part of it? And who do we, who like, why do we think we can change the weather? Like, that's like, that's a God thing. Like we're not that, you know, all, all powerful. So it does, it does bring out all these tensions of what, what is the human role and what is the divine role in this big, complicated, Mm -hmm. messy picture that we're looking at. And I don't have a good answer to that, but Mm -hmm. I know that one of the reasons why it's so hard for people to acknowledge that the weather is changing and humans have a role in it is that, it feels like we're taking the role of God. And, mm. and it also means that we have so much responsibility because we were part of the problem. Um, right. We can't just say it's just all, you know, natural stuff that's happening. Right. 
And so taking responsibility is, is a really hard piece of the puzzle for a lot of people because it is so heavy and it does feel so like paralyzing to, mm. to feel responsible for all these things. Um, but I, I want to bring up the book that um, Catherine Hayhoe, who's like an evangelical and climate scientist, just put out this past month, which is called Saving Us, a Climate Scientist's Case for Hope and Healing in a Divided mm. World. And her, her con constant message is, what do we do about uh, climate change? We talk about it because mm. that mm -hmm. is um, probably the, the big roadblock for a lot of people is we look around and we see that everybody in our faith communities and our communities in general are just going about their normal yeah. lives, business yeah. as usual. And without the sense of that we're like other people are concerned and other people also want to do something, we can feel really isolated and mm -hmm. like, like we're not going to be able to do anything by ourselves, but starting to change the, the social norms around like what we care about and really just naming, like, I, I saw this weather event happen and it's really bothering me. And mm -hmm. I think it's part of this larger pattern and what, what can we do in our communities? Um, yeah. That's just a great starting point. That's great. Thank you for giving us something actionable and yet attainable. <laughs> so, <laughs> appreciate it. I would love to hear just, you know, how can we support your work, you know, collectively? Um, what can listeners do? Uh, and then I would love to hear your laundry routines. Awesome. If they want a copy of the workbook, we're actually giving it out for free awesome. for the time being. Yeah. Uh, if you go to osable.org, A-U-S- able.org slash liturgies, you can um, put an order in and we'll, Great. if you want a lot of books, what I'll probably do is just send you a PDF and you can print it yourself. Um, but if it's just like a handful of books, we're just sending them out to churches and small groups. We mm -hmm. think this, it just, I think it's a great mm -hmm. study for a lot of reasons and close to 70 different churches since we kind of first announced the availability of it. We created it for our students primarily, but we did want it to reach a you know broader audience. So yeah. about close to 70 churches have reached out over the course of the last two months and requested copies. So That's I would great. love for them to go there and we'd be happy to send you a copy. Perfect. John, tell us your laundry routine real quick. Yeah, I'm nervous because my <laughs> laundry, my wife does the laundry, not because I think wives need to do laundry, but but she's good at it. When I yeah. do the laundry. Everything goes into the dryer, which shrinks a bunch of, like I just put it in the dryer and put it on hot for however long it takes and it shrinks. It just wrecks a lot of clothes that shouldn't <laughs> yeah. go into the dryer. Yeah. So I do a lot of other household things. I do dishes and cook and vacuum, but laundry routine is. She does it. So that's my routine. That's so. great. Right. You know, that's, but right. We live in community, your yeah. second chapter, right? And so that's, that's good too. <laughs> Luann, how about you? What does your laundry routine look like in your house? It's funny that you mentioned that your wife does the laundry, John, because we last year we switched over to my husband doing the laundry. Mm -hmm. But how's that working? I, I actually have had to start doing the laundry again because <laughs> of the same thing, because there's certain pieces of clothing that have special care needed that you have to take out or put into like bag so they don't get tangled up yep. with everything else and I've just I need to just train him to, yep. to do that because he's not attentive to those details but 
Um, so I've been kind of picking it up again, but I feel like I need to just tell him what to do and then he can do it. And there we're also go. trying to get our three boys who are seven, four, and two involved in the laundry sorting. So, so I, at some, depending on the day and the moods that everyone's in, I can get the boys to sort and fold the laundry, which is amazing. That is brilliant. <laughs> that is it. brilliant. My sons are 22 and 25 and we haven't quite figured that out yet with them, <laughs> but I'm sure perseverance, I'm sure one day we'll, we'll get over that hump. Yeah. My children, yeah, my kids are 14 down to seven and yeah, they can do the laundry, but it usually just lives in the bin instead of getting folded and put away. Mm-hmm. And so, it, yeah, often rewash. I did hear from another guest actually, that you can wash your clothes on cold and it tends to, it, it's one big thing actually that we can care for our earth is mm-hmm. choosing to wash our clothes on cold. And that given our washing machine and kind of detergent technology, it's supposed to yeah, work appropriately. Like back in the day, you kind of needed the hot to make everything dissolve yeah. and everything. But anyway, there you go. You can wash your clothes on cold. Another small step. Yeah, <laughs> that's totally brilliant. I took your little quiz online about the, was it the hustle quiz? Yeah. The hustle uh, habit. Yeah. I'm a shame spiraler just so you know. Oh, so anytime I hear something, yeah, great. Um, anytime <laughs> I hear something that somebody's doing that I don't do, it, right, it you activates into- my shame spiral even just talking about the changing climate i mean i just drove a car that emits co2 60 miles so a lot of shame to Mm, deal with or just yeah yeah, just what does it take what's my role what Mm -hmm. does faithfulness look like when Mm -hmm. it comes to doing the laundry Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now i know there you go cold cool one one thing (laughs) right it's easier i mean as long as it's easy as long as everything goes in the dryer Right. Yeah. That's a whole nother thing. If we're going to be hanging stuff up and yeah, I guess we could just hang it in the backyard. (laughs) Not if you live in Michigan. (laughs) No, yeah, not not in the winter. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you guys. It's been such a pleasure. I appreciate your kindness and gentleness as we approach, you know, something that can get really polarized um, in Christian and mainstream spheres. But I think you've created a beautiful resource that I hope some of our listeners will pick up and and use in their churches as well. So thank you. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thanks for being here. It was such a helpful conversation. I appreciated how both John and Luann were able to just articulate, yes, this is a big problem, but also there are some beautiful, small starting places. I always love to leave my listeners with one small step. I'm going to give you two, though, this week. And the first is to go and grab a copy of that workbook, Liturgies of Restoration by the Ensemble Institute. You can find a link in the show notes, and it would make a great study to do with a group of people, especially Christians, as we consider how can we be generative and restorative agents in our world today. This is a great starting point. The second, a very small step, is I would encourage you to go on a noticing nature walk. Stay close to your home because we tend to care about the places that are actually close to our own places. And so go on a walk from your front door and simply pay attention. Pay attention to the sky. What does it look like? Pay attention to the trees. Pay attention to the health of the vegetation. 
pay attention if there's a lot of trash around where you live. And maybe you can even pick up a few pieces. How might we begin to care and pay attention to God's good creation and to realize that we are not separate from that. We can't simply use creation, but rather as we notice and as we pray, we pray that our imaginations begin to be excited and interested in the things that God himself cares about, which he called his creation very good. And so as we care for creation, we too are saying this is very good. It is worth caring for well. So grab a copy of that workbook, go on a nature noticing walk, and bring some of those things that you are noticing to God himself. Thank you, friends, for being here. I did want to just quickly mention that A Spacious Season, A Weary Mom Rejoices, it's a six-week audio devotional with an accompanying workbook. It's still available for purchase. You can find the details at aahales.com slash shop. It's $15, and it is a chance for you to work through some of the stories of the women in Matthew's genealogy in small 15-minute chunks during Advent and Christmas. I hope you'll go and check that out. Thanks for being here. It is a delight and a pleasure to think about issues of health as well as how all of this might intersect in our everyday holy lives. Remember, friends, big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.